great so thank you fmadu for inviting me for this session and uh, i hope i am able to give you guys some perspective about starting your personal finance journey and it will definitely help you out once you start earning or if any of you have already started earning and you are in the recent phase of your income generating journey then uh, this session will be of a great utility for you so i'll start with uh, what is personal finance so personal finance is basically everything that defines your relationship with money and where it starts so uh, right after you have money in your hands you first have to make out a budget like uh, even if you don't make a budget let's say informally what you do you just spend it uh, so if you are uh, living in any rented apartment or or any rented space then you would pay your rent and if you are not paying your rent then anyways you will spend on food travel and then you will spend on weekends so that is uh, another new domain that has emerged now uh, which puts a hole in your pockets then movies trips you know all these things so but what is important here is you have to be uh, sure of what uh, how much you are earning and out of that how much should be allocated to each of these activities just so that you have enough money for everything and you don't end up overspending on any of your uh, dispensable uh, expenses like uh, suppose going to a restaurant cafe or going on trips so you know these things can be endless you can end up spending any amount that you want but it has to be within uh, what what you are earning and you are, you should also save and invest a part of your income so it's important that uh, you have you already have a budget in your mind like how much you want to uh, uh, put in your needs how much you want to put in your wants how much you want to spend for entertainment and how much you will invest and save right so i'll just share how i track my expenses so uh, these days there are a lot of apps that you can use to track your expenses and where are you spending and all but i personally prefer it to be uh, you know in my control uh, everything my data should be in my control so i just uh, i just made this excel and then i uploaded it on my drive and i used the drive app on my mobile so as soon as i incur on any of the thing as soon as money flows out of my bank account i make an entry here and if you use any other app also it goes uh, with the same principle as soon as you uh, you are incurring anything you just make an entry in the app and then that app itself categorizes your expenses uh, it will ask you uh, the category of the expense and all so i personally like to categorize things as per my own uh, convenience so this is what uh, i do and yeah so uh, the reason why i make my own financial tracker is uh, because uh, so these days credit cards are very popular and i'm sure uh, when you all will be uh, eligible for it or some of you might still be eligible for it uh, you you would have uh, at least one or two and despite uh, many uh, experts that say that credit card is very negative and also i think credit card is just like the internet it has both pros and cons uh, it depends uh, how you are using it so credit card can be very harmful in case you are not uh, mindful of your expenses and you are just overshooting it you are just over exploiting the credit card and more Im most importantly you are not repaying your bill on time because uh, in the case of credit cards the interest rate is very huge it's it's up to 30 to 40% but uh, if you are a disciplined type of a person and uh, in credit cards you can also have a auto debit uh, facility so uh, if you enable that feature in your savings bank account then automatically on the due date the amount will get deducted from your savings account this feature pretty much takes cares and you don't have to remember every time uh, how much you are spending and all but still uh, whenever uh, a credit card statement is generated in my case i i would tally it with what 
I have written like uh, according to me what was what were the total expenses that I have uh, incurred using a credit card and what the bank is charging to me. Uh, so the next thing is uh, insurance. So insurance is basically a first step in the personal finance journey of any person. As soon as you start earning and there are financial dependents on you, then you have to make sure that their life is not compromised in your absence. And, you know, unfortunately, mishappenings can happen anytime and they don't ring a bell before they come. So it's a very sound financial practice to have your uh, life insurance in place. In fact, uh, insurance basically has two components. Uh, one is life insurance and the other is non-life insurance. Within life insurance, uh, there are quite a few options for you to choose. There are different types of plans. So I'll just briefly explain what these plans are. So the first is term plan. Term plan basically says uh, uh, if you buy a term plan and you agree that you need a one crore of summer short at the uh, end of, I mean, uh, in case any misfortune event happens and you need uh, your family to get one crore at that time. So that is called summer short. And uh, if you when you decide the summer short, your premium is decided according to your age at what age you are buying the policy. So let's say your premium uh, came 10,000 rupees uh, per annum. So in the case of term plan, uh, you will get, uh, your family will get that one crore rupees uh, when you, uh, when there is any misfortune event and there is a demise of the policy holder. So then uh, the, it's, uh, their family would get the summer short amount. In, uh, in this case, it is one crore rupees. Now the second thing is endowment plan. So endowment plan basically says, you don't only get the benefit at the time of the misfortune event, but you also get the benefit even if there is no such event and the policy has matured. So for example, you took the policy for 30 years and uh, within the span of 30 years, there is no um, uh, demise of the policy holder. And still at the end of 30 years, the insurance company would pay you some amount. And it is already decided in the policy what amount you would get the, if, the, if there is no uh, misfortune event and that maturity period is triggered. And a money back plan and wholesale life plan are basically types of endowment plans only. So uh, they have just little differences. So for instance, endowment plan says, even if your policy matures, you will get the amount back. But money back plan says, uh, you will get some amount in between during the period of those 30 years. And the remaining amount you will get at the end of 30 years. And whole life plan basically uh, is exactly same as endowment plan. It's just that it gives you a coverage for your entire life. And it has no tenure as such, uh, which we took as 30 years in our example. And the last one is ULIP. So as I said, the endowment plan and money back plan and whole, uh, whole life plan, they give you some amount at the time of maturity also. And they also uh, basically promise you to pay some rate of interest on that amount because obviously you could have parked that money somewhere else and you could have earned on, on your investment. So they also agree to pay you a part of that, but that is fixed and it is decided at the time of taking the policy. In the case of ULIP, uh, the insurance company would invest some portion in equity and debt markets. And as you all know, so equity markets are volatile and you have the potential to earn a quite great, great rate of return, which you cannot earn in any other investment avenue. So ULIPs, they look attractive to people because of the interest rate that they think they would be earning. But in reality, it is a very poor in, uh, product, I would say, for an investor. It does not even uh, meet your requirements of a life insurance plan. I mean, ideally, it does not give you sufficient coverage that you should be looking for. So. In my example, I took uh, that some the example of some assured to be as one crores. So ULIP will, will not give you that much. It, it might give you 10 lakhs or 20 lakhs. 
and apart from that uh, the return which they promise you don't get uh, what you would have earned while investing yourself because they also charge you a lot of fees and quite often these fees are very hidden and uh, even the policy holder is not able to calculate uh, whatever he is being charged so ulips are a big no in fact endowment plans money back plan these are all quasi insurance products in a way that they give you both insurance benefit and they both and an investment benefit and term plan is purely an insurance product it only gives you risk coverage but it's one of the best which i'll show you why and coming to the other side uh, no, uh, under non life insurance it uh, all other insurances which are not life insurance comes uh, so uh, the top most important is health insurance then motor insurance or vehicle insurance or travel insurance and home insurance and uh, such other things are there so uh, among these i will uh, i will little bit such health insurance because it's also an important part of your personal finance so once uh, so the first stage in personal finance is budgeting and monitoring your expenses the second thing is keeping your risk in control in the form of buying an insurance so one is the life insurance and the other is health insurance and uh, while you know uh, purchasing health insurance you would come across a hell lot of policies and you will be confused to a bit so i'll just uh, mention some of the features that you should be looking at uh, when you are comparing health insurance and before even before comparing you should know what you need out of your health insurance policy so for instance if you already have a disease and you doubt that some health insurance plans might not cover those then you should definitely check whether that policy which you are buying uh, has that uh, disease covered or not and some health insurance policies also have a waiting period and they say so let's say if someone is having a cancer or some sort of and that policy says that uh, once you buy the policy we will not cover your cancer related expenses for 2 years uh, or let's say 2 months sorry so health insurance is basically um, on an annual basis mostly uh, non life insurance is basically taken on an annual basis and life insurance is usually for uh, higher periods of term so the health insurance uh, company may say that for 2 months we will not cover this disease of yours and for the rest and it will start uh, with the third month so this is a problem for you because you are basically buying a health insurance to cover all your med- all your medical needs and the disease which you are already having it's more likely that you will need to incur expenses on that so you should know whether uh, there is any waiting period in your policy for any specific disease and whether uh, it is affecting you or not then uh, many insurance policies have room capping so they specify that uh, in the case of hospitalization uh, we will reimburse only a, up to a particular amount of uh, expense uh, so let's say uh, a patient goes to a hospital and the uh, daily rent of the room is 5000 rupees but his po- is or her policy mentions that they would only reimburse up to 3000 per day and uh, this is a very important factor and uh, many of the people ignore this uh, when they buy a policy and they come to know about this fact when they actually need it when they actually need the insurance company to pay their bills and it is when they they just come to know that uh, there was a clause in their policy which put a capping on their daily room rent so these are uh, some critical factors that uh, you can consider and uh, i'll now compare uh, just to give you a perspective why term plan is best uh, if you are choosing a life insurance and and more so because you know life insurance is one of the most missold product in the market you will come across agents who will uh, push you to buy an a quasi insurance kind of a product which may be a endowment plan or ulip or all these plans and they will uh, give you a bait like you will earn rate interest you will earn return on your investment you will get some amount on maturity in the case of term plan uh, you don't get anything on maturity and all 
now coming to the comparison between term plan and endowment plan so i'll first uh, briefly explain how term plan is helpful uh, so there are three factors to decide when you are buying a term, a term plan policy one is the sum assured which is uh, how much money you want your family members to get in the case of a death then premium will be decided on the basis of the sum assured that you choose and your age when you are uh, taking the policy and the third factor which uh, which you need to consider is the length so let's say you are 25 years old when you are buying the policy and you want to take it for 20 years someone might want to take it for 30 years someone might want to take it for 40 years and so on so this is uh, what you decide and then you compare the policies so there are two cases so let's say uh person a uh, took the policy when he was when he or she was 25 years and the other person took it at the age of 35 years and they both decided that they wanted a 1 crore of summer short and uh, they agreed that they would need uh, the length of the coverage till 60 years so in the case of first person uh, that person basically wants a coverage of 35 years and the second person is uh, looking for a coverage of 25 years from the current age of that person so uh, when you compare uh, the various policies which are available based on all these chosen criterias so mostly in the case of uh, first person it the monthly premium will range between 600 to 900 and in the case of second person it will range from 900 to 1300 so now there are a few takeaways from uh, this case study one is they both are getting the same benefit at the time of um, in case there is any misfortune which can happen anytime between the term of their policy and the first person is getting it for 35 years so basically that person is getting coverage for a longer duration than the second person who is only getting it for 25 years and on top of that first person is paying less amount than the second person so the catch here is uh, buy the insurance as early as possible so you you would you you would first have to analyze like so there might be a very few exceptional cases where a person does not need, need life insurance at all there might be a lot of wealth and family uh, legacy and all so you might not need insurance in that case but for most of the common investors and common uh, middle class indian household families or upper middle class insurance is a very must thing and even so a lot of people delay taking insurance once they are married so they think that uh, till the time they are not married and their parents are earning and there are no financial dependents on them there is no need to take the policy so they defer it and by the time they will buy uh, their monthly premium rises and which basically also ends up uh, having a lesser term of the policy so in this case one might feel that okay uh, i can start early but in that case i will be paying more premium also right but when you do mathematical calculation it's also not true so it is a win win situation you are starting early you are paying total amount you are paying less then you are getting the coverage for a longer duration right so as said uh, earlier i'll now compare the endowment plan and term plan so uh, you saw two examples right uh, one was this endowment uh, policy features and the other was that term plan example that i just said so the total premium paid in the case of endowment plan is 5 lakh and in the case of term plan it's uh, 3 lakh 78000 Uh, so i am taking the case of this first person so that person is paying 3.78 lakh rupees 
in the case of endowment plan uh, the uh, insurance company has given a sum assured on maturity of 4 lakh 62000 and the sum assured on death is 10 lakhs so if you remember uh, i showed showed you that policy and in the case of term plan uh, that person is getting 1 crore rupees of sum assured and also there is a significant difference in the term so the endowment plan is only for 15 years and the term plan uh, that person can get for 35 years Uh, obviously there are no guaranteed addition in the case of term plan because it is only a death benefit there is no survivor benefit so in the uh, so endowment plan in endowment plan death benefit will be 10 lakhs and in term plan it will be 1 crore survivor benefit so this uh, so basically for a easy comparison i have done a pro rata thing so this guaranteed addition is for 15 years right so after 15 years this person can again buy this policy same policy for another 15 years but since in our term plan example it was 35 so i've just uh, instead of doing a double i've just done prorated for 35 years so this basically i'm comparing if both if a person if there is a person who is buying endowment plan till the time of a coverage of 35 years and there is another person who is directly buying a single term plan for 35 years so since the premium of you can see the premium for endowment plan is much higher for the term plan you are just paying 378 for 35 years and in endowment plan you are paying 5 lakh for just 15 years so this is the extra money which you end up paying which is uh, this 5 lakh rupees which again is prorated for 35 years and then uh, subtracting the term plan premium from that and this is the next and since uh, in endowment plan you will get some extra money right that guaranteed uh, benefits that the insurance company uh, agreed to pay you so the next net extra benefit uh, will be this survivor benefit deducted by this extra money paid so this is the extra which you are getting by buying an endowment plan 15 lakh 85 rupees but if you go with term plan you will get an extra coverage of 90 lakh rupees and i think the whole purpose of insurance was to secure a future for your family right it was not to earn a rate of interest on your investments that you can do with any other investment vehicle you can park your money in stocks you can park your money in mutual funds you can put your money in other investment vehicles which are available so there is no need to go for uh, go with insurance from the perspective of investment insurance should be purely taken uh, for covering your risk and what is most essential here is this sum assured what what your family will get how their future will be secured and uh, how they can live a decent life uh, even in your absence so this this amount matters the most and after that what matters is what you are paying per month it should suit your pocket so choose your plan according to these factors so i'll uh, now come to what exactly are the investment alternatives in india which you can think of so uh, like lately with the evolution of fintech and all there are quite a complicated products in the market so there are various uh, small saving schemes like public provident fund and national saving certificate which are basically uh, sold by government institutions uh, from banks post office and all so public provident fund uh, i'll just touch upon a little bit features of few of them so public provident fund is basically uh, an account with a maturity of 15 years you can put your money in lump sum or you can put your money in installments whatever suits your needs or whatever suits your uh, income and spending habits and uh, ppf basically it has a fixed rate of interest and this interest changes every quarter so 
the rate of interest which will be applicable to you will be the reset rate of interest which the government decides and changes every quarter so from the last one one and a half year the government has kept the rate intact it releases the new rates every quarter but uh, they have not changed uh, so earlier it used to run like 10 or 9% but at that time the interest rate in our country also used to be quite high uh, the government bonds fds and all so the interest rate scenario was on the top of its curve and at that time these instruments also yield better but now since the interest rate scenario in our country it's little dull these days so it's on the lowest of one of the lowest which we have seen in the history so uh, these rate these vehicles are also yielding a lower rate of interest but it's it's all linked to what what is in the market but in any case they will give you more than what an fd gives so uh, ppf uh, since ppf comes with a lock in of 15 years so it might not suit everyone and uh, if you don't want to have your money parked in a place where you cannot withdraw it uh, any time so ppf is not for you but at the same time uh, the positive side is since you cannot withdraw so you also kind of build a corpus and you don't uh, just simply redeem it uh, in a haste when you could have uh, sustained the investment so some partial withdrawals are allowed but those are very uh, nuanced uh, kind of scenarios so for higher education and all in for the journal purposes uh, withdrawals are not allowed and even if they are allowed after some 5 or 7 years uh, there are limits so like 25% of the amount lying in the account uh you can withdraw and this limit changes uh, depending on uh, the time period that has elapsed in your ppf account so the other is a national saving certificate it's again a similar kind of a product which is offered by uh, post office banks and other financial institutions so national saving certificate comes with a 5 year maturity and it's a simple one time investment you buy the national saving certificate of the amount that you wish to invest you cannot uh, put a money annually in the same instrument if you want to invest again the next year then you will have to buy another national saving certificate so it it also comes with a, a fixed rate of interest which is a reset uh, quarterly and then uh, the most popular in the indian landscape is bank fd or rd which you must be seeing your parents investing most of their money into uh, so historically uh, banks fd or rd have been considered very safe in our country and they are indeed safe of course because uh you can't think of a bank uh, not paying back your money right so indeed they come with a, a lot of uh, assurance in terms of uh, keeping your capital intact but the thing is a uh, bank fd or rd also gives you a rate which is even below the inflation so average inflation in our country has been 6 to 7% since the past 30 40 years and bank fd is currently yielding 5% in most cases at least for psu banks so there might be one or two private sector banks which will give you 7% but uh, these are very rare cases and of course you will not changing your uh, you will not keep on changing your bank account depending on who is giving a higher rate of interest right so uh, on an average uh, the uh, the interest which you get these days from bank fd or rd is 5% and it does not even beat inflation so this is again a case of wealth destruction which uh, we talked about for savings account so the only purpose that i feel of bank fd or rd now is you you can uh, allocate that portion of your money in these uh, investment vehicles which you don't want to play with and you you just you don't you don't have an intention of earning return as such from that investment and you just want to keep your capital intact just in case you may need that money anytime
so it it might be called emergency corpus or it might be anything that you will need in one or two years time frame and you don't want to uh, have keep um, lose the money or uh, put it to chance to volatile volatile markets like stock markets so bank fd or rds are for those then there are stocks so uh, as you all must be knowing that uh, and since we are currently in a bull run so i think now most of the people know what are stocks and what is stock market because when something rises it catches people's eyes so everyone is uh, now willing to learn about stocks and all so stocks uh, so just to give a brief uh, stocks are basically uh, shares of a company and they are listed on the stock exchanges so the two most prominent stock exchanges are bse and nse in india and uh, some stocks get listed on both the exchanges and some get listed on any either of the one which they choose and when once they are listed so people can buy or sell uh, during the trading hours and they can place their order they they can do trading which basically means uh, you are buying and selling on the same day and uh, then there is other concept investing which means you are choosing your stocks which you think uh, will give a good return in the years to come and you choose to stick with those for maybe 4 5 years and 10 years or whatever a longer period of time and this is when uh, stock markets can be a great wealth creation tool because uh, the average return uh, of our index uh, which is nifty or sensex is above 12% or 12 to 15% and when you earn this much rate of interest every year and you don't stop your investments and in fact you even increase your investments as your income grows so this this compounding effect and all your your corpus will just bloom uh if you invest in stocks but of course you will have to uh pay attention to your risk appetite because stock markets are very volatile in the short run so so right now we are in a bull run but exactly uh 12 months back uh when the covid hit our country in march uh the stock market crashed up to 40 or 50% so that was the time uh, basically when if you have if you had invested 1 lakh rupees its value would be 50 to 60000 rupees so it's that volatile uh, of course these are very uh, unprecedented situations that it is falling with that uh, uh, severity but in the longer run also stocks can uh, vary to 10 to 20% and which is very normal so it's not for short term uh, so there are just two things one you can be you can do trading which i i personally don't prefer because uh, trading is like you might earn a good amount some day but you might have might incur a huge loss some other day and you will be squared off and it it also requires a lot of time and you have to just glue to the screen or your laptop where the stocks are moving and also it does not suit everyone and uh, yeah of course there are some very professional traders and uh, they they know they know the technicalities they know the technical analysis and they, they might be earning good but still it depends on your intuition and guts also so uh, trading is more like you you might be gifted with those intuitions and uh you might uh, uh earn a lot but for a common investor who does not want to bring that much of complication in his in his or her investments uh they they should stick with in, uh, investing for the long term which is uh in equity it's it's beyond 5 years 5 years or more because up to 5 years as i said it can be uh, largely volatile so now uh, for those investors who who find even uh, investing in the long term in stocks complicated because they don't want to analyze a company 
they know they don't know what the valuation is whether it is right whether it is high whether it is cheap so uh, this is where mutual funds come to their rescue mutual funds are basically uh, so a mutual fund is a, a investment pool it basically collects uh, money from investors like you and me and they in, they they have a uh, very professional fund managers and those fund managers invest your money uh, as per their investment acumen and um, it's totally up to them whether they are buying any stock whether they are selling any stock for how long they are keeping uh, any particular security and you just simply trusting the fund manager and here also uh, obviously you will have to review the performance of your fund uh, on periodic basis which can be semi annual or annual so you have to make sure that uh, the mutual fund that you invested into whether they are sticking to their investment mandate whether the risk which they are taking now in terms of in terms of the uh, securities that are in their portfolio whether is it suitable to you or not and what is the sector allocation of that mutual fund and whether you want to be invested in that sector or not so all these things uh, are which you will have to evaluate because there are a lot of mutual funds in the market there are uh, more than 40 amcs uh, in our country mutual fund houses basically and all of them have uh, their mutual funds in all the categories so i'll explain the categories later so the next is a uh, national pension system it's basically uh, for your retirement mostly because uh, the the money which is parked here is logged in till your retirement age which is uh, it till your retirement or 60 years of age but it's a good tool to uh, build a corpus for your retirement because in national pension system you can choose Uh, what portion will be invested into equity and what portion will be uh, invested into debt so uh, if you are starting today if you are starting in your 20s or 30s then you can uh, choose the equity allocation to be higher to earn higher return and uh, in that case uh, you will have a good corpus uh, at the time of your retirement because the compounding and the equity returns which are the highest among all the asset classes they both combine to give you a very a uh, good investment amount at the end of 60 years but then again since there is a lock in you can't withdraw as such and uh, there are a very few instances where a person can withdraw like if if the uh, account holder dies then of course their family members will get the money so uh, you have to essentially uh, keep your money till 60 years of age so decide accordingly then the last thing is gold which is again uh, very popular in india so gold is uh, basically uh, until a few years back most of people in our country used to invest in gold by buying physical gold so they would go to a jewelry shop and they would uh, buy the gold they will pay taxes on that and then they will store that gold maybe in their house or maybe in the bank lockers but then buying physical gold has a lot of risk so one is uh, there is a risk of theft so if there is any loss of uh, physical gold then you you end up with zero and uh, you also uh, end up paying taxes and the point is when you might need that physical gold maybe for use the design might be outdated and you you may you may again go to the shopkeeper sell that gold and buy a new design again but as you all know that gold is not a pure gold which which we get in the form of jewelry it's it's a alloy so you you will not get the same amount that you spent while buying that physical gold you will get something less and then again while buying the new design you will again pay taxes and all and then again there will be a risk of theft and all so digital gold is something which is now uh, become prominent and 
many investors who are aware of this are now switching to park their money in digital gold in case they want to invest in gold so digital gold basically can be uh, in three forms one is mutual fund so as i said mutual funds uh, there are various categories there would be equity funds there would be debt funds and similarly there are gold mutual funds uh, who will invest either in physical gold they will they will buy the gold and they will keep the gold um, with them or they invest in companies who are gold mine who are into gold mining and this is something which is uh, more prominent in us uh, because there are companies who basically uh, drive their income uh, from gold but in india it's mostly buying the physical gold only so but still for you it is better because when you buy uh, from a mutual fund you don't have any risk of theft and uh, you will get the returns similar to what you would have got uh, by buying a physical gold because that appreciation which the gold will uh, get that that will be your return the next thing is etf which is exchange traded fund so etf is a more advanced version of a mutual fund and it is basically a combination of mutual fund and stocks so uh, just like stocks they are traded on the stock exchange but mutual funds are not traded on the stock exchange you buy it from the fund house and the fund house charges you some fees to manage your money and uh, you when you want to sell then you uh, sell it to the fund house itself and then you get your money back so etf is a pool uh, a investment pool which replicates a particular index so like um, if there is a stock etf then it it might replicate nifty 50 or sensex and that etf is traded on the stock exchange so you can buy or sell that etf among other investors and not any particular financial institution which happens in the case of mutual funds so uh, the thing is with etf is it it comes with even less expense like mutual funds charge you some fees to manage your money but there there is active management of the fund manager but in the case of etf uh, there is no management as such you are just buying and selling on the stock exchange uh, with your own um, skills so it it basically has a very low expense ratio and it's sometimes 0.05% so it's nothing and uh, the and you get the same appreciation which you would have got by investing in gold so uh, if you are investing in a gold etf your returns would be that of uh, that that like of a gold if you are investing in stocks etf then it depends what index that etf is tracking if it is tracking nifty then you will uh, almost get the same returns which the nifty uh, will grow into and if there is some other index then depending on that your returns would be decided but the thing with etf uh, there is one uh, disadvantage of etf when we compare that with mutual funds so uh, since etfs are traded on the stock exchange and there are uh, investors like you and me who are buying and selling so many times the price which is uh, the price at which they trade is below their assets value and which does not happen in mutual funds because in mutual funds uh, the fund house would have certain assets in its portfolio and whatever a uh, value that portfolio has uh, is what you get uh, based on what units you have in that mutual fund but in the case of etf that amount can vary it can be uh, below or above the value of that index and this is one issue and it's it's basically uh, there are some mutual funds also which have very less expense ratio so it's not that that uh, one should go with etf only uh, based on this single factor you, you you can analyze that if there are other good mutual funds who are also charging very less then it is better to go with mutual funds because at least you are assured of the value there and one advantage of etf is just its liquidity 
so you can just buy and sell anytime during the trading hours and for mutual funds you you can buy or sell uh, on a daily basis but uh, the the price at which you buy or sell is decided daily and not every second which happens for stocks or etfs so but again that's not a concern if you're a long term investor and you don't bother with such a small variation in the price that you can buy or sell so so yeah these are some basic investing alternatives in the indian uh, landscape which you can allocate your money depending on what are your expectations and what is your investment horizon for how long you want to invest what is your risk appetite will you sustain volatility and all and uh, one should also diversify the portfolio so you might be a very uh, aggressive person and you might think that okay i can handle stock volatility but i want higher returns so i'll put all my money in stocks but that is again a wrong practice because unexpected things happen anytime in our lives and you might need money and at that time stock market could be uh, at its low and you will have to redeem your investments at a lower amount unnecessarily because you don't have your money parked in any other instrument so this is why when i said that bank fd or rd is a wealth destruction but you still need to put there a little uh, allocation of your total investment corpus because you might need your money any time some money any time so there has to be a liquidity in your portfolio and uh, you have to do a systematic allocation so gold again when you compare gold with stocks so stocks have beaten gold uh, in the long run when you compare the rate of interest but still some people are uh, sort of uh, more uh, they they just want to buy gold because they think that it will give higher returns so as also gold basically serves as a great hedge for your portfolio because it is seen when the stock market is at its down or the economy is very poor then gold gives you good returns and it happened last year when uh, when in march due to covid when there was a crash in the stock market gold was rising very high and i'm sure if uh, any of you track financial news and then you would remember this that gold was giving a very good returns and it was also attracting a lot of investors at the time so gold can be a good hedge in your portfolio so that uh, in case you need your money and at that time stock market is not performing so you can redeem a gold investment and also your investment value will not go that much down because some part would be in gold so it can be 5 to 20% depending on it, it depends on what you want out of your portfolio so it but it should not be more than 20% a large allocation should be always in equity because that has the potential to give the highest returns among all the investment avenues and it also beats gold uh, if you compare in the longer run so uh, while explaining mutual funds uh, i use some of the terms so i'll just explain uh, briefly so some key terms which are used in the mutual funds parlance are aum nav and expense ratio so these are just the basics so aum is uh, assets under management and it's the total value of the money that mutual fund scheme is having which is basically a collection of the money that people like you and me have invested in that mutual fund and what's their current market value so if there is any um, mutual fund with a aum of 1000 crores so it's the current value of their portfolio which they have invested into using the money which we investors have given to the fund house nav is a net asset value so it's like uh, in the case of a share uh, stock so you get a share price right at which you buy or sell the stock it it might trade at 50 it might trade at 100 it might trade at 1000 or 50000 so that is the share price in the case of mutual funds it is called nav which is net asset value 
and it is calculated in the similar fashion like if if a, a fund house is having 1000 rupees aum and uh, the units are 1 lakh rupees so that 1000 crores will be divided by 1 uh, 1 lakh units and the result is what you get net asset value which is the value of one unit of that mutual fund house and the expense ratio is the charge which a mutual fund asks you to pay because they are managing your money and uh, this expense ratio gets deducted from whatever return that mutual fund company is earning and the balance return uh, they pass it on to the investors so let's say uh, any mutual fund company uh, earned a 18% rate of return in last one year and their expense ratio was 2% so for you the return will be 16% this expense ratio becomes important when you compare mutual funds because in the longer run when you keep on paying this small small fee it becomes big and uh, this is where the, uh, i'll explain the two types of plans so all mutual fund schemes come with two plans one is regular and the other is direct uh, the regular plan is uh, what you buy through your distributor or your broker and in this in the case of regular plan so let's say the amc wants to charge you 1% for their fund management and operating expenses and now you are buying that mutual fund through a broker so that broker will also charge you a commission so the broker is charging you 5% 0.5% so for you the expense ratio will be 1.5% but in the case of direct plan you don't uh, go via broker or a distributor you directly buy it from the mutual fund website or these days there are a lot of apps like uh, grow paytm paytm money so there are many such apps from which you can buy mutual funds directly and these are direct plans so uh, direct plans will uh, have will always have a less expense ratio as compared to a regular plan so if you are analyzing a mutual fund yourself then there is no point in buying a regular plan so when you will go to the website or you will go through through these apps you might find regular plans also there but there is no point in choosing that one because in any case you are buying the mutual fund yourself so always remember you have to buy the direct plan and in case you think that you are not able to analyze mutual fund yourself or you don't have the time so anyways mutual funds take less time than stocks obviously but still even if that is what you are not able to do and you in any case decide to go with your broker so just remember don't blindly follow what your broker is saying because they are largely driven by the commission that they get so many times they recommend the plans which will give them higher commission and which might not suit you as an investor so uh, the best investing decision for you can be taken only by you because you know your return expectations you know what your needs and goals are you know what uh, what is your risk appetite so it's always best to analyze your uh, investments yourselves and uh, it's not that difficult or rocket science uh, you can start with the basics and you can gradually take help of some other people who you know are more into this profile and they and take help not to get an investment advisory from those people but to understand how you can do it yourself then in mutual funds there are uh, three broad categories uh, equity uh, which equity funds invest primarily in equity then there are debt funds which invest primarily in debt debt instruments like bonds and debentures and then there are hybrid funds which as a name suggests it's a combination of equity and debt so there are many kind of hybrid funds uh, so some of them will have more allocation towards equity some of them will have more allocation towards debt so when you are thinking of buying any mutual fund so there are few steps that you should think in your mind before arriving at the plan that you are going to purchase so the first thing is purpose what is the purpose of uh, making those investments are you building your corpus are you building it for a specific goal and you will require that money after a specific duration 
or you are just having spare money and there is no purpose you are you just want to put it in a good vehicle so you have to first decide your purpose then you have to decide your investment horizon so for instance even if it's very casual form of an investment but you think that you might need that money four or five years down the line or you might also think that you don't need that money in all the foreseeable circumstances that you can think of so but you should be mindful of what is your investment horizon then the third thing thing is risk appetite so among all the mutual funds that exist there will be some funds who are very aggressive so in the case of equity uh, there are there is a categorization on the basis of uh, market cap so around 5000 stocks are listed uh, in the indian stock exchanges and out of those 5000 stocks the top 100 stocks in terms of their market value so the market value is basically uh, their shares and multi their total number of shares multiplied by their current market price so the top 100 stocks are called large caps uh, the next 150 stocks are called mid caps and the remaining stocks are called small caps so this is as per sebi's uh, classification so sebi is the watchdog of um, equity markets in our country securities and exchange board of india and this is their classification so large cap stocks are stocks like reliance so you can you can be assured okay reliance is not going to be suddenly uh, vanished off right because it it's a big company it has a big expansion it 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 has a good roots uh, into the business so it it is going to stay and it will give you decent stable returns then there are mid caps who are not that largest uh, that that biggest large cap stocks but they are uh, in a bit of their growing phase and then there are small caps which are potentially the most uh, growing companies but not all of them grow so that is the challenge that you have to identify which out of all these small cap stocks have the potential to outbeat others and uh, this this and when you are investing through mutual funds you leave that decision to the fund manager so they can decide so in the equity funds you will have various categories depending on uh, how much that mutual fund is investing in these caps so some might so there are large cap funds which invest 80% in large cap stocks only then there are mid cap funds who will invest 65% in mid caps and the rest is fund manager's choice and similarly small cap stocks 65% will go into small cap uh, for small cap funds uh, 65% will go into small cap stocks and then there are various uh, mixture of these uh, caps so there is a flexi cap fund which basically gives fund managers the freedom to choose any uh, i mean that fund manager can uh, invest based on his um, judgment and there is no limitation in terms of market cap uh, for his portfolio and so all these patterns would be there and you can easily uh, search so if in case you decide to go with equity mutual funds then you will have all these categories and you can easily search that uh, what that category says if it is a, a flexi cap fund then okay you know ki fund manager has a choice here there is no large mid or small cap so these are the factors that you will have to evaluate in the case of debt fund risk becomes high when the fund manager is buying bonds or debentures of a company with less credibility so so you must have heard about yes bank it uh, it failed some few months and years back so whatever bonds yes bank has issued during those times and those are purchased by mutual funds and suddenly their value came to zero because some of those bonds were written off when the yes bank uh, so basically when the yes bank was bailed out by sbi and some other psu banks so there was a resolution plan which was decided and uh, based on that plan some of the bonds were completely written off so 
and you know those bonds are those bonds come in the uh, risky category that that type of a bond which can be written off in these circumstances when the company is failing they come in a risky category and then there is credit rating for all the bonds so aaa uh, is the highest credit rating for an instrument and of course c and d are the lowest ones so every bond is uh, is required to be rated by a rating agency uh, top rating agency of a country and they all have their uh, specific credit rating so the fund manager has a choice to decide among all these uh, debt instruments where he wants to put the money and you will have uh, mutual funds in the debt category based on this risk this uh, level of risk that the fund manager is investing into so there will be some funds who will stick mostly to the high quality uh, uh instruments and there there are some categories of mutual funds that invests mostly into these low rated papers so same goes with these debt instruments whosoever is less credible they have low credit rating they give better returns and fund managers in the pursuit of higher returns they they sometimes take exposure to these instruments but in that case also you can uh, check uh, the portfolio of a particular debt fund and uh, what is the credit rating what is the credit rating of the instruments that they have in their portfolio and then you can decide accordingly so you you might have a stomach for risk and you might think that okay it's it's once in a kind of an uh, event that when a company fails and most likely they will repay and i can take that risk that even if the company fails it it will not make me miser uh, it it will be okay matlab you you can sustain that loss so it depends uh, what is your risk appetite and then of course return expectation so once you decide on all these factors then you have to keep your return expectations in check So, for instance, if you are investing in large cap stocks, you cannot expect to earn twenty percent rate of return out of large cap stocks because those companies are mostly stable now, and it's agreed that they will grow, but their growth will be not that phenomenal. And for small cap stocks, which are uh, now in the booming stage, they have the potential to give a huge return. So, so that that is what we have to decide uh, by all the factors that you have to keep your return expectations modest in terms of. what your other factors are and where the instrument where you are investing so yeah that's in a brief about mutual funds and uh, i would also like to stress on compounding so so this is just to give you a perspective uh, why starting early investing is important and how compounding just makes your corpus grow wow and uh, these kind of figures usually don't comes come comes to our mind intuitively because we don't imagine this kind of a growth but when there are figures in front of us then it definitely creates an impact into our mindset so uh, this is just an example so let's say um, you are putting a person is putting 10000 per month at a and that investment is giving 12% rate of return and there are four people uh, who are investing with this uh, parameter and one person starts at 25 the other is 30 Third at thirty-five and the fourth person at at forty years of age, so this is what they will be investing in terms of this ten thousand every month, and this is what their corpus will look like at uh, when they will be sixty years of age. So forty-two lakh rupees grows into six crore forty-three lakh rupees, and thirty-six lakh grows into three crore forty-nine lakh rupees. And just look at this person who started investing at the age of forty years. That person was left with. Nine crore eighty-nine lakhs, and this person who started investing at twenty-five years, that person had six crore forty-three lakh. So sorry, this is uh, ninety-eight lakh rupees, and this is six crore forty-three lakhs. So just see the quantum of difference uh, it can make depending on when you are starting your investing journey. 
and this 12% rate of return is uh, not an unimaginable figure it's mostly if you're uh, at early in your age when you you have a little bit risk appetite and you don't have much of financial responsibilities on you then you can definitely keep a large chunk of your investment into equity market because equity market gives um, good returns and in the current interest rate scenario in any case the debt instruments are not beating inflation so uh, the last i will just uh, touch upon retirement planning and so this is again an example just so that uh, you understand how practically it affects your portfolio and it it gets somewhere imbibed in your mind so so there there are few estimates uh, for arriving at these figures so let's say you want to retire at the age of 55 years and you think that you will live till 80 years which means you want uh, some income till 80 years of age to sustain you after your retirement and the monthly income required so currently let's say you require 35000 currently and you would require a similar kind of value when you will retire so obviously this 35000 will grow because of inflation uh, and which is accounted for in the calculation so that's why i have written at current cost it's 35000 and the expected inflation rate is 7.5% um, throughout the years and uh, the corpus that you will have at 55 years of age so that corpus will all also be invested somewhere because you you will not uh, simply have that corpus in your savings bank account so let's say that corpus will give you on an average 8% rate of return and you might allocate that corpus more into debt because it is a time when you don't have a risk appetite it is a time when you don't want to play with your capital and you want your capital to be uh, more so intact and only a small part uh, could be allocated into equity just so that you are beating the inflation uh in those years also after retirement so let's say uh, after 55 years of age your investments will earn 8% return so now uh, if we use this uh, if we put all these details in excel and we calculate so you will require 8.6 crore of corpus so you will need this uh, money to sustain you for these 25 years and uh, you will require 35000 per month and obviously adjusted with this inflation which which, which will start from today so it will go into lakhs this 35000 will go into lakhs and to plan that you have 8.6 crore rupees when you are 55 years of age just for your retirement so other goals as well in your life but you want at least you you have this much amount when you retire and you can uh, you won't panic at that time that uh, your there is no income source so start investing today to build this amount and it's not a small amount it's 8.6 crore and it's it's very small 35000 per month it's a basic which we need right now seeing the rent food travel expenses it's very basic that every one of us will need and to build this much of corpus here is what so let's say the age your age is 25 and you are doing all these things and so what is important here is you have to save every month so that you have this 8.6 crore rupees but where you are saving that money and what rate of interest you are earning on that income it makes a difference on how much you will have to shell out every month in your investments so let's say you decide to keep it in a savings bank account uh, you decide to invest every month uh, and to keep aside a certain part of your income every month in a savings bank account that you are building for your retirement corpus so that will give you around 4% rate of return so to build 8.6 crore at the age of 55 years you will have to put 125000 per month in your savings bank account and if you are putting it in an investment instrument where you get 8% which can be ppf so 
PPF on an average, right now they are yielding seven percent. But uh, let's say uh, we'll have the interest rate cycles where interest will be lower, high, or uh, you can keep some portion in PPF and some in other instruments. And on a, on an average, you are getting eight percent rate of return. Then you will have to shell out fifty eight thousand per month. And then if this rate of interest grows, your per month amount that you need to invest falls. And this is a very steep fall. So with four percent, you need one lakh twenty five thousand. With eighteen percent, you need just six thousand. And this six thousand and fifteen thousand, it is what makes it practical to invest just for your retirement. And this, uh, with this, uh, the point I'm trying to make is, it's important that when you are putting aside some money for your retirement corpus, you you have to choose your investment instrument wisely. Where you are putting that money, and um, mostly uh, since you will, uh, when you will earn, you will pay taxes on your income, and uh, there is a very popular section in Income Tax Act which is called Section 80C, and there are certain instruments which are listed under those sections, and if you invest there, then that amount which you are investing it gets deducted from your income for the purpose of calculating an income tax. So. A prominent ones among those investments are um, one is PPF, and the other is uh, ELSS, which is Equity Linked Savings Scheme. So ELSS is just like a mutual fund; it's basically a mutual fund. But these mutual funds are special, uh, specially tagged as ELSS in a sense that if you are investing in those mutual funds, then you will get a tax benefit. If you are investing in other mutual funds, then you don't get a tax benefit. And these ELSS funds are mostly equity oriented. So you you there is a huge potential to earn a return, and you can uh, end up earning fourteen to eighteen percent. It depends what uh, stock markets are moving into, but still fourteen percent is manageable uh, on an average. So uh, ELSS um, gives you tax advantage, and on top of that, it gives you a return, which which is a good return, and which will uh, which is uh, practical for you to park your investment savings into. So, uh, one uh, a person can ideally use uh, these ATC investment instruments to build the retirement corpus because, anyways, those investments are required to reduce your tax liability, and it's also a good uh, way to park some of your money uh, into investments. So, uh, ELSS is a good option, and definitely when you uh, start earning, so obviously we will not start everything at day one. So, gradually you will uh, plan your finances and all, but whenever Uh, you are planning for the retirement and started as soon as possible because when you grow in life your financial uh, responsibilities increase and at that point in time you will find it difficult to allocate a portion uh, just for the sake of retirement and it's true that some of you might feel that maybe what if you don't require a monthly income at the time of retirement you will have your family you will have your close ones or you will have other investments that you are making but It, it's all risky. It's like a gamble. You don't know exactly what will be the situation at that time, and considering the age and your health issues, it might be possible that you are not able to do any job or something, which can uh, give you a good uh, amount, uh, a good income. So that's where retirement planning is important. You have to be uh, assured that you won't have to uh, that you won't have to uh, take a help of anyone, and you won't be exploited. So. this is what you should think about you should be careful about where you are parking your money and uh, when you will start this uh, investing journey you will uh, come to know about a lot of things and you will learn a lot 
and one important interesting thing is behavioral finance so investing is more about behavior so a lot of times investors think that they are a long term investor and when they start uh, when they start any sip or a monthly investment they think that they will continue it for 5 7 years but let's say after one or two years equity markets are suddenly very high and that person will feel like redeeming his or her investments because uh, returns are looking good and even though that person does not require money at that point of time but still uh, they will redeem and now they will think that they will invest again when the stock market will come down so uh, this practice of timing the market uh, basically deprives of the opportunity because uh, one can never predict when the stock market will go up or when it will come down so all the market experts are uh, waiting for the stock market to fall in the last one year because our economy is heading downwards and then there is there was a second wave and one of the interesting thing was when uh, when we were at the peak of our second wave uh, the stock market was also at its peak so it was not um, in conjunction with what uh, what the economy was doing and a lot of people say okay it's discounting the future the future is bright we have vaccines and all but the thing is as a common investor you don't know exactly when the market will fall or rise so it's never a good practice to redeem your investments uh, if you don't need that money so keep it parked there because you know when you redeem those investments out of equity market you will keep that in your savings bank account or you will keep it at a place where the interest will be low and suppose that boom period the market is high for next 3 4 years so at that time you lost the opportunity uh for your investments to grow during those times so it's important to keep your behaviors also in check and of course there will be some biases uh when you start but eventually you can get hold of them and it all depends on how you review yourself how you review your portfolio and everything so that's it okay ma'am i said so Oh, ma'am, once again, I would like to thank you for you know taking out your precious time and sharing your valuable insights with our viewers. Thanks a lot, ma'am. Thank oh. you, and it was my pleasure to uh, take this session today. And thank you, everyone, to all the listeners who took out time to listen me out. So yeah, thank you. Thanks everyone for joining in. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the session and gained something from it.